0: <laughs>
1: Thank you, Joseph. And uh thanks guys for uh for coming again knowing that I was gonna be back. <laughs> I uh uh last time uh through three weeks ago when I was uh, when I was here and, and we talked through some um principles of, about finances, uh, I, I made it just about all the way through the um, uh, all the the points that I wanted to to cover, um, and uh, but since there's been you know a passage of three weeks of time, um, I thought we would just you know tonight take the time to go uh, go back over some of the principles that we talked about three weeks ago, just to kind of level set and bring everything back to uh, back to everybody, the top of everybody's mind, and then uh, and then just have a time of, of question and answer. And uh, not that I'm going to have all the answers, but you've got a whole room full of, of, uh, of, of men here who uh, who probably do. Uh, so we can, uh, we can draw on each other's collective uh, life experiences, wisdom, the things that we've uh, 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 learned uh, along the way, things that, uh, that God's taught us, and uh, and hopefully from uh, from some of us who have been around the block a couple more times than some of you younger guys. It'll help you avoid some of the traps that we may have fallen into, and, uh, and uh, we'll set you on a even better uh, footing going forward. So, Joshua? Maybe we'll be able to answer some questions, because you're a banker. Well, maybe you will, huh? And I'm good at <laughs> Yes, you are. Um, there was a... Um, I started off with some statistics last time, and, and uh, I just ran across another one, a real interesting one, um, yesterday morning, in fact. The, uh, there was a bankrate.com survey of credit card holders in the U.S., and 44% of the population of the U.S. That, that holds a credit card said that they worry to some extent about how to pay their next monthly credit card bill. What percent? 44%. Now, that's not 44% of the entire population of the U.S. If you take the, the population of the U.S. and boil that down to the number of people who hold a credit card in the U.S., 44% of those people said that they worry to some extent about how they're going to pay their next credit card bill. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of people. That's almost half of the people in the U.S. who have a credit card in their pocket. And that's a lot of people <laughs> that have a credit card in their pocket. So, you know, even, even more reason why we need to make sure and we need to know that we're on solid biblical footing uh, when it comes to our finances. Johnny? Does
2: that statistic include, like, paying it off completely or just making the minimum?
1: No, just, just making a payment wow. on their next month's credit card bill. That's yeah. Really yeah. It's an amazing statistic. Wow. So let's, uh, we'll just start off by, by walking through these uh, uh, principles that we talked about last time. Um, from a statistical standpoint, again, the number one friction point in marriage is said to be finances. The number one friction point. And the number four reason for divorce in the U.S. is uh, how the couple handles or manages their finances. We talked about three biblical principles that would form the basis for uh, for our financial practices, and the first one of those three was the principle of ownership, and that's remembering and acknowledging that God owns and provides everything. Nothing comes uh, of our own uh, out of our own strength, out of our own wisdom. Everything that we have, everything that uh, is provided to us, uh, comes from God. That's the money that uh, that we earn uh, from our vocation. Uh, the health, knowledge, and skill to be able to earn a living. Joseph.
0: That's not a loan. He needs to pay it back. But now with the very same uh, bills that I gave him, but he needs to pay the loan back. And uh, they focused on the second. uh, Where that's the way it is with our lives. That God has loaned us the very breath of life. He doesn't expect that same breath back. He expects repayment in other ways. That's where we use these skills and we use what he's given us in order to pay back that loan by making his name known throughout the world and so forth. And uh, when it comes to ownership now, that to me is what I'm thinking about. I don't own anything. He owns it all. Some of the things he lets me hold on to and keep as my own. But he expects repayment. He doesn't want that table back. He wants me to use the table and pay him back in other ways. And
1: uh that just hit home for me this this week uh, in preparation for this class. That's good. Even, even all the more reason to reflect his character yes. as we live out the life that he's loaned to us. Exactly. Josiah? Good job, Josiah. That's exactly right. Just a minute, Joshua. Since uh, since we recognize that God uh, owns and provides everything, our role over the uh, the items uh, and the funds that He provides to us is that of a steward, yeah, or a trustee. We've been given uh, we've been given funds to manage, and God expects us, expects us to manage them as He would manage them. Uh, a trustee always acts in the best interest of the grantor of the trust or the beneficiary of the trust. Uh, when when that person is put into a place of uh, trusteeship, they're not managing that estate or those assets for their own benefit. They're managing it for the benefit uh, of others. The second principle that we, um, uh, that we talked about was the principle of gratefulness. Uh, and that's reflecting gratefulness back to God for these assets that He has given us, whether that's a, a financial asset, a tangible asset, or the asset of the the uh, uh, the breath in our lungs and the ability to uh, to work and produce an income. So ownership, gratefulness, and then the third principle was contentment, being content in all circumstances with that which that with that which God has blessed us. Uh, not seeking after uh, after more uh, as a as a goal, but, uh, but being content in the circumstance that he's placed to sin. Correct.
3: service, if he voluntarily decides to stay in service to the Master because the, he loves the Master and mm-hmm. the Master's treated him pretty well mm-hmm. and all of those things, mm-hmm. then he goes to the Master and says, I don't want to leave you. you know, I want to stay in service to you. And the Master is obligated to say yes, he can't, he can't refuse that. And then he takes you know, he takes him before the
1: court of the elders, before the Beit dean, and says he's got the right to go, but he, he doesn't want to go and they ask Do you want to go I want to So it kind of becomes a you know, a, a public, you know, uh, uh, formal, formal witnesses
0: mm-hmm. you know, to, to say that he is voluntarily gonna submit himself you know, for the rest of his life to this master. Mm-hmm. And then they put the all
3: in his ear, and uh, and then at that point, that servant is is continues to trust like he has for the last six years, for the master to provide his his basic needs, and the master is obligated to provide food, shelter, clothing, and basic necessities uh, at at a minimum, and then because he's a, now a servant of this particular master sends him to the gate of the city to conduct business on his account, he's a shliak for that master. Mm-hmm. And it's as if the master went
0: himself. Mm-hmm. And so you have this picture, I mean there's a lot of pictures there of
3: course, you know, when you get to the, to the apostolic writings you have uh, Rav Shaul who always starts his epistles with, I Shaul a bondservant mm-hmm. of Messiah Yeshua mm-hmm. he's saying, I have I have given my life willfully in service to the Master, and and I'm completely dependent on the Master for everything, and I only have whatever I have because He's given it to me. He's entrusted
0: me, mm-hmm. me with it, and I'm about the Master's business, you know. And so, when it comes to finances, you know, I
3: think there's a there's there's something to kind of that whole concept that look if we have given our lives to the master then you know what are we what are we concerned about right and we can then stop worrying and fretting and focus more on actually doing something to sanctify his name with whatever it is he's entrusted us with
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and you sure taught that exact principle didn't he? Yeah, you know, look at the lowest in the field. I take care of them. I'm definitely going to take care of you. And,
2: uh, <laughs> uh-huh.
1: and you learned from Matthew chapter six. In that respect, And taught us. how many times in his writings did he say, "I'm content whatever circumstance I'm in"? So exactly the same principle. So that those, those three principles are, are key foundational elements. Ownership, gratefulness, and contentment in being able to set a solid financial, uh, financial footing for your, uh, for your marriage. Uh, we talked about why, why does God give us the ability to earn an income. And there were two main reasons here. Uh, the first one being to provide for our needs and the needs of others who depend on us. And we said that that involved both our current needs and our future needs. And then secondly, to provide for the needs of others. And th- that ability to be able to provide for the needs of others are driven by two factors, uh, both which we see reflected in, uh, in the character of God. The first one being compassion, being able to, to recognize a need and having a, a, a desire to act upon, uh, act upon that need to fulfill it. And secondly, the, uh, the principle of generosity. Realizing, again, that God owns uh, everything. He's just simply entrusted it to you. And we should be um, uh, able and willing to use those resources to, uh, to help to provide for the needs of others. Um, from there, we talked about uh, what are the three main things that we can do with the money that God's given to us. So it's quiz time. The three main things we can do are? It. Spend it. Save it. Save it, save it, give it away. Give it away. Outstanding, outstanding. The uh, uh, and those three things relate back to the reasons that we are given the ability to earn an income. Uh, we're either going to spend it on our own support, support of those uh, that we uh, uh, that God's entrusted to us to take care of. We're going to save it for uh, the ability to provide for those needs that, are, that will occur in the future and giving it away, helping to meet the needs uh, of others. Uh, we then uh, started talking a little bit about each one of those uh, actions that we can do with our money, the first being spending and uh, again we talked about deploying, God's, uh, deploying funds that God has given to us for the purpose of meeting our needs and the needs of others who depend on us and enjoying God's provision in our lives. Uh, Joseph. I, I just want to make it clear as you hit
0: this spot that yeah, um, I may speak only for myself and I'll claim that uh, but that balance having to you know having to wisely know where that balance is I 52 that's, that's probably the biggest challenge for me now uh, you know, uh, through the council of wise men yourself, as you know. Um, I'm down to one debt, and it's the building you're sitting in. And uh, in not too many years, that, that debt will be paid. I'm still struggling with uh, meeting my needs and enjoying God's provision. I have found that I really enjoy enjoying God's
1: provision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, one more time.
0: assist with some kind of guidance rules of thumb, stupid moves of stupid people you can use me as an um, anything there would be would be great for me and you
1: know maybe good okay we'll be sure and talk about that kind of goes maybe maybe with the uh, with the next point that um deploying God, deploying funds that God has given to us, uh, when we do that, uh, we have to guard against greed. Because uh, to Joseph's point, it's very easy to really enjoy God's provision and to enjoy enjoying God's provision. Um, So we have to guard against greed. Enjoy it, but don't enjoy it too much. It's all, uh, just like everything else, it's all a matter of moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly um, and then there's the uh the uh, what I alluded to just a few minutes ago um, being content with what we have versus seeking gratification from what we have, being content with what we have versus seeking gratification from what we have we uh we use this. Uh, Part of the discussion, then, to talk a little bit about, from a practical standpoint, uh, budgeting and the importance of budgeting in sound financial uh, setting a sound financial footing uh, for your marriage. Uh, Budgeting imposes a financial discipline and it leads to better financial decisions. How can you ever expect to make good financial decisions if you don't know how much is coming in and how much is going out and where it's going out to? So, it's a very important element. that uh, that budgeting provides uh, two important questions when uh, when you're looking at uh, spending. Do I need it? Can I afford it? Yeah, absolutely. We um, we then kind of we turn to the issue of uh, or the area of debt. Honestly. the ourselves.
3: reality is 3. <laughs> 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 Sorry. The reality is
1: we really need remarkably little. Mhm. You know, really mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: So
0: That never works for them One one
2: thing that I've found Really helps me Is that if I'm walking around a store And I've got a shopping cart And I'm there for a specific purpose And you know You throw things in there It's like man that'd be cool to have And you know your your impulse buys The longer you leave them in your shopping cart The easier it is for me to take it out Just like just leave it in there a long time It's like you know what I don't even mean, know why I put this in here. Don't just put it on the shelf in some random location. <coughs> Give them back to the cashier as you're checking out, Say, I decided against this item, and I decided against this one. I'm sorry. But, you know, it, it really kind of helps drive that home to you that you don't need it. And you're telling another person. You're you're, you're speaking those words, and that makes a lot more impact on you And uh, through that interaction. It makes a lot more impact on you, and it'll make you decide in the first place if it even belonged in your cart in the first place. So um, I, just from my own personal experience, i like to share that with you guys. Just leave it in your shopping cart and just give it back to the cashier.
1: <laughs> as long as you don't tuck yourself out the other way. Oh, <laughs> because you know, in
2: my head, it's usually like, you know what, I really need that. And, and most of the time, it's me convincing myself, no, I really don't. Gosh, if it's a, like a DVD, I was like, well, you know, am I really going to have time to watch it? Is, it? is it edifying material? Is it worth it? You know, and it, you know what, just if it, is it is it something of little value, something you could just sell if you really decided you didn't want it? It's just all of those questions are going through my head, and I'm just like, in the long run, it's usually just, you
1: know. it's yeah. good. Great. I just was going to say, I,
0: one thing that has worked wonders for me is wait a week and see if you need it
1: after
0: the week. <laughs> If you do,
4: usually it's it's something
0: that... It can fit in that category. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but if not,
1: then <laughs> you can do without it. That's good. Rick? Uh, part of the problem with needs is they are so... When you
4: say there's really very little you need, we don't even comprehend how little we need. Oh,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the more that we have, the more we actually need.
4: It's not... It's not as simple as, all I need is bread and water. No, you don't. I mean, right? and shelter, because it depends on the shelter. I mean, if you have the shelter, you'll have more needs to go along Maybe with the Someone who's very wealthy, who has a comfortable lifestyle, actually needs a lot more than someone who doesn't have all
1: that. To upkeep, So yeah.
4: it's not really easy for people to point fingers at other people and go, well, they don't really need that, because actually the more you have, the more you actually need. And that's one of the restrictions that we ought to have is when we're looking at the shopping cart or whatever else is, you know, I'm gonna to have to maintain whatever this is that I'm buying. And it's going to need more needs. And so I'll actually have to expend more than just the, the purchase price of buying for. It. And for a master collector of junk, anybody wants it. <laughs> let me tell you something. It really starts away on you a after a while, and that's where the, the notion of simple mind find my life actually is where it comes yeah. from. Because people say, I recognize that. Having multiple houses actually costs me more than just having multiple houses. Mm-hmm. It actually is expansive, and so if I want to get rid of things, if I want to minimize my needs, I need to stop buying stuff that increase my needs.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a very it's good exponential. point. Exponential. Mm-hmm. There's
3: a mm-hmm. saying: uh, If it floats, flies, or faces the water,
4: rent. It <laughs> <in> the water. <laughs>
1: Don't lie. Exactly. Yeah, it flies or faces, faces the water? water. <laughs> I'm gonna use that it 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 with my it wife. <laughs> faces the water. I don't
2: I need go. that. If <laughs> it floats, flies, or faces the water, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm Is like it, you're a, you're it a, a beach. beach? Even
1: alliterated, even.
3: even. <laughs> right
1: yes. And then what happens you don 't have it right that 's right and now you 've either put yourself in a position where you have to go into debt which you don 't which you would prefer not to do, or you 've put God in a position to have to provide for a need that he didn 't even have to create in the first place right good Joshua the um, speaking of we got to the uh, uh, to this point and started talking a little bit about debt. And the uh, uh, two types of debt that we talked about was consumption-based debt and asset-based debt, looking at the uh, the purpose of the debt or the reason for going into the debt. Um, and uh, what I didn't talk about in this section uh, that I kind of started off with tonight was the whole principle of credit cards <coughs> and the use of uh, of credit cards. And Credit cards being a very easy way to rack up debt that is almost uh, almost exclusively in the consumption category uh, credit card purchases are almost always going toward a, a consumable type uh, type of item um, uh, I, I definitely would not advocate against credit cards I think credit cards have a place uh, uh, as a uh, payments mechanism. It can be a
4: management tool
1: used. Yeah, absolutely. mean I
4: get money back big time. I spend
1: everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's uh, yeah, yeah, the same thing. Uh, uh, you can, you know, basically the credit card company is offering you the ability to use their money and then paying you for the privilege of doing so. Uh, uh, but but in doing that, uh, yeah, there's a, there's some risk involved in, uh, in and so a good principle in using credit cards is don't ever use a credit card for anything that you couldn't just pay cash for. Use the credit card as the payments mechanism without creating debt. Uh, that essentially, that's uh, you know that's how we've. Uh, I mean, credit cards are an easy way to use, you know to pay for the gas and pay for the groceries and pay pay for anything else. But it's even easier. <laughs> but uh, uh, always having the funds in the uh, in the bank account to be able to cover whatever purchases that you uh, that you rack up on the card. Um, yeah, Greg? Or, or you know, if, there, if you're concerned
3: about the risk aspect of using a credit card, just use a debit card. The same convenience, mm-hmm. but then you know you have to have the money before you
1: make the purchase. You, you the won't be able to walk out of the store. <laughs> so, you
3: know, if you, you know, that's another you know, debit card versus a credit card gives you all the same uh, convenience.
1: conveniences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. It
3: forces you to have the money in your bank account,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. i I've always looked at the credit card again as being a payment mechanism rather than a spending mechanism. The spending mechanism will cause you to, or give you the ability to rack up the debt, uh, as opposed to using it as a payments mechanism, knowing that you've got the funds to cover whatever that you're, uh, that you're putting on the card. Uh, we talked last time uh, and acknowledged that uh, we were unable to find any uh, print, biblical principle that would express that uh, having debt was a sin. Uh, we did not find any basis for coming to a conclusion that debt was a sin. But we did find uh, uh, more than one example where uh, not repaying debt is a sin. And certainly that uh, uh, debt presumes uh, presumes upon the future and can foster uh, envy and greed um, if it is misused. the uh, the the wiser course of action, to the extent that it's uh, that it's at all possible, is to avoid the use of debt, um, and most certainly uh, to avoid the use of debt for consumption-based uh, vacations, day-to-day spending, and things of that nature. Um, we moved from the spending category into the saving category, and we talked about saving being uh, using. Current resources to be able to provide for our future needs and the needs of those who who uh, depend on us. And we talked about using uh, savings goals or having savings goals built in as part of your budgeting process. Budgeting isn't just about spending; uh, budgeting is just as much about saving uh, to be able to provide for uh, for those future needs. We uh, we then moved over from. Uh, out of saving, over to giving, and we acknowledge that because God is compassionate and generous, uh, and we're made in His image, we should be the same. We should be reflecting the same character to others, and we can do that by uh, by giving. Um, we uh, uh, we kind of wrapped up last time with a with an encouragement. Uh, and that was not to be hesitant to seek uh, godly counsel in the matter of finances. Um, as uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, we're hesitant, we're reluctant to open up to others about, you know, financial matters or financial situations. But when we, uh, when we have that reluctance or hesitancy, then we're doing nothing but depriving ourselves of wisdom that God's given to others uh, that may be able to be helpful to us. Um, We talked about the first source um, of wisdom in the area of finances being Scripture itself. Pouring yourself into a God's Word will give you insights that you are able to use in financial decisions that you have to make. Um, Then we talked about other uh, sources of godly counsel beyond Scripture being your spouse, parents, uh, friends, and uh, other uh, godly men that God has put around you and the ability and taking the opportunity to open up about those things and to ask questions and to, uh, uh, to seek counsel helps to, uh, to defeat um, something that, uh, that's a constant struggle and that's a prideful nature if we're willing to open up and ask for godly counsel in, in uh, the area of finances and other areas as well it helps us to uh, avoid uh, being prideful, and gives us the opportunity to benefit from wisdom that uh, that God's given to others. So, with that review, let's just uh, let's just talk, and uh, yeah, just have some question and answer time, and uh, maybe we can start with uh, Greg.
0: I was wondering, what would your suggested financial state be in order to begin thinking about investing? Whether it be small in the stock market or even real estate or little small businesses, anything that has to do with putting out money, not expecting really a return, in hopes for a return, What, what would your suggestion be in terms of your own
1: financial status, or like that. yeah I, I mean putting a, asset based debt aside you know for the moment um, the the first thing uh, I would think that that uh, that you would want to do would be to have a good savings plan um, and I differentiate uh, savings versus uh, investing because you mentioned real estate and the stock market um, the the first thing that you that you would want to do would be to have an, a good um, cushion, so to speak, a financial cushion to be able to take you through, uh, difficult times. If, you know, if you lose your job or something of that nature, um, you know, a lot of financial planners use a three months, uh, living expenses or six months living expenses. I mean, six months is a long time. Uh, but, you know, having, uh, having some cash reserves, so to speak, uh, behind you before you would move into an investing type mode, uh, and then you know once you've uh, I mean there's there's a lot of things that, that in my personal view that for somebody starting out uh, with a family should be looking to and that's uh, uh, you know being able to to, to have the cash uh, cushion uh, and saving for a home uh, you know being able to uh, uh, to buy a home uh, is uh, is an important you know a very important financial goal and before. Uh, uh, before you would start uh, moving into the area of investing, um, I, I personally would look to have uh, a good, uh, you know, fund saved up uh, set aside for a home and have that kind of plan uh, set up before starting into down an investing path.
0: It takes patience and time to repair that wound. And, and, and I, I clearly identify it as a um, I can, you know, praise God and say that that wound does heal. Up and say the foolishness of that. And uh, when you get convicted there that you've been in it, foolish. It's going to take some time to consistently turn around. Mm-hmm.
1: It's uh, uh, it's that matter of there being a consequence to uh, unwise actions, and in the in the matter of finances, those consequences can last a long time and have a significant impact, even after you've come to a point in your life where uh, you've realized mistakes that you've made. You've decided to turn things around and apply biblical standards and biblical principles. You're still dealing with those consequences for a, for a good long time. So, it, it's not just uh, it, it's not just that it takes time to heal or time to work out of it, but it starts with recognition and obedience and a decision to be obedient, and then heading down that path and recognizing that it will take time to work out of the consequence that of the uh, of the prior actions. Jonathan
0: have a question. I'd
2: like to know a little bit more about how you approach tithing. I know, coming from a church background, it was always ten percent of just whatever you brought home. But and Johnny, and I know, was in the process of making a very amazing uh, class on, on on the concept of how, what what tithing is from an actual I think biblical the perspective. Week
0: after Is it the week after uh, next? Into,
2: uh, two weeks, if you want. Two weeks. Two is that that would be week after next? Okay, right? week after next. <laughs>
0: So, right, next. Okay, as, 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 we can this one can't Yeah.
2: Okay. So, 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 just to, uh, I guess, if 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 you experience different ways of, of keeping track of how to tie what when to tie is it at the end of the year? Is it monthly? Is it and all
1: those other details. Well, it's a really good question because there's there's not a lot of clarity in scripture at it, right? That's why the, the church is able Yeah, right. right. The church is able to build its whole funding mechanism around this concept of tithing um and using maybe you know one verse that we can all think of out of Malachi, right? uh to uh to create the the whole the whole funding model for the church. Um well, it, it's um, uh, it, it's a it's a difficult question, and I, I I don't think there I don't think there's a clear answer. I think that that what we're commanded to do is to be generous. I think we've got good scriptural examples of uh, righteous men who use ten percent as their benchmark, um, and I think there's those same men. Uh, you, you know did more than ten you know, percent in times so I uh, think i think it 's a matter of what god you know how how God financially prospers you, what needs he puts you know in your way um, I think ten percent is a is an excellent benchmark to work from, but i don 't think it 's one that we can that we either need to mandate ourselves to aspire towards or hold ourselves in contempt if we're not able to reach that level i think it's it's a matter of recognizing god's provision in our lives working through the whole budgeting process and applying all these principles to come up with what's right given the financial situation that god's put you in is it uh... is it it, I certainly wouldn't say that it's wrong to uh... to to tag ten percent as your given goal but I would stop short of saying that it's a biblical mandate um, and uh, uh, you know, if, you can, if you're able to do more than 10% you know, praise God because he is, is, has financially prospered you or given you enough wisdom to be able to do that um, if he's got you in a situation where either because of the consequences of decisions that were, you know, were made uh, prior to the time or you know, just the simple needs that you have in your life and you're not able to hit the 10% level well that's just where God has you at that point in time and you st- but you should still look to be generous with what, uh, with what you have yeah Greg just, just to add on to that we,
3: we can't give what we don't have so you know if you don't have the ability to tithe able to tithe monetarily for whatever your circumstances is, then there's other ways to be generous. Mm-hmm. You can uh, you know, you can uh, you can write, you can do service projects, you can mow the yard for the widow next
1: door you know, whatever. If you can't if you can't give uh, financial resources, there's plenty of other ways to give and there's lots of need. Well, yeah. Because giving is simply meeting needs with money. And there's other ways to be able to identify and meet needs than just, than just money. And keep in mind, too, that it, you heard me reference and talk about giving uh, three weeks ago and tonight. And I intentionally avoided the use of the word tithe. Because, you know, how much should I tithe? Well, you should tithe 10%. You can't tithe anything other than ten percent, right? <laughs> <is>. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's the definition of the word. So I, mean, I try to avoid the use of the term because you know, it comes with baggage, and it comes with a defined you know, a specific definition. and instead, focus on your ability to give. As Greg pointed out, your ability to give comes both from financially and otherwise.
0: three areas we never want to talk about. So we're gonna we're gonna hold off on pornography and sex.